Well, if you would turn in your Bibles this evening to the third epistle of John, third epistle of John, well, let's read this verse and then we're going to pray. Third John, third epistle of John. In fact, let's just pray first. Father, I thank you for our health and strength and every blessing. Thank you, everybody that's here tonight. All the things you've done for us this week to get us through this fine place that we have, dry and comfortable. We give you all the glory and credit and praise. Thank you for your holy word. It's life to us, health and medicine to all of our flesh. Thank you for the holy teacher, your spirit, whom you've sent to indwell us and to be our guide and teacher and helper. We look to you. We yield to your spirit tonight. Grant everybody eyes that see and ears that hear, hearts receptive and open. Let there be divine grace deposits, a supply of the Spirit, revelation of truth that makes free. Let there come answers to questions and solutions to difficulties that people are dealing with right now in this room. And direction and wisdom and help in every area. And we're receivers And we're not hearers only, but we're doers, and we give you all the praise in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer doer of the Word of God. God. Hallelujah. Now, uh, release faith in that prayer. We didn't just pray to be taking up time on that. That's a point where all of us release faith. And there's some things supposed to come out tonight. Revelation. Specific that help people in right where they are in their life. And it doesn't, I don't even have to say it exactly. I might say it, but I might just say something and then the Holy Ghost say something to you about what was said. And you go from there to something else and you wind up at exactly what is the answer. How many believe God knows the answer to everything that you're dealing with? He knows to Him nothing is complicated. Right? You might say, well, yeah, but this is a tough situation. Not to him. (laughs) Right? Not to him. He knows, do this, stop doing this, do this, and then it's fixed. If you can see it through his eyes, it's just that simple, right? Do what I told you to. Quit doing what I told you not to do. And then do this, and it'll all be over. You're just nothing but shouting then. Right? But if you stay in darkness, you can be embroiled in the same thing for 40 years. And just go on and on and on and get worse and worse and worse and think, oh, it's so terrible and nobody can fix it. No, it's simple to God. And when we see it, it's how many of you have gotten revelation before? Either you're reading your Bible or you're sitting in a service or you're praying and you saw something. And when you saw it, anytime light comes, it seems simple. It might be very, very profound, but you go, "Ah." (laughs) well, there it is. I mean. Why didn't I see that? I mean, I've read that many times. Well, he already told me that. Well, of course that's what it is. Right? I mean, when light comes, that's the way it is. And in his light, we see light. We've been for the last several weeks teaching on the subject called prosperity proven. Prosperity proven. And this is our text that we've used repeatedly. Third John and verse 1. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. 
Beloved, I wish, or the margin says pray or desire, above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Is this the Bible, God speaking to us? Could you take it personally and say, this is God talking to me? If you can't, then it ought not be in here. Right? I mean, if it's, a, you know, like one theologian I read after one time, he said, basically, you know, that this is John saying howdy to Gaius. Hi, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> if that's all it is, it ought not be in here. Right? Because there are all kind of things, even that Jesus the Master said. Uh, you know, John said, in the Gospel account of John, he said uh, that not everything that Jesus said and did was recorded. He supposed that if everything Jesus said and did had been written down and recorded, not even the world itself could contain the books that should be written. So we have just a select and relatively small portion of what Jesus said and did. And these things pass the Gospel accounts, Acts and the Epistles and like this, we believe are selections that the Holy Ghost has made from all the things that the Spirit of God said and did, but are recorded for all men for all time and is not mere words of men, but it is the Word of God. Amen? And I take it personally and directly. Well, if that's a fact, and we believe it is, then did the Lord tell you that it was His desire? Amen? And he wished and prayed above all things that you would what? Prosper. If that's all you knew, you should quit asking questions. Is it God's will for me to prosper? If that's all you knew, the Lord told you directly right out of the Bible. It's his desire and wish and prayer that you prosper and that you what? Be in health. Be in health. Now he tells you how it's going to happen. Even as your soul prospers. And we camped on that quite a bit. That prosperity doesn't start in your pocketbook. It doesn't start in your accounts. It starts where? In your soul. Well your soul has to do with your mind and your will and uh, your thinking and your talking. And you know people look on the outside and think well I'm poor because I don't have money. No, no. There are poor people with money. There are people who have money, but they're still poor on the inside. They can't enjoy it. They're always scared somebody's going to get it. They hide. They hoard. Did you hear me? I mean, they might have a million dollars in the bank, but they still hide food under the bed. Afraid, you know. Scared. Won't spend it. Wear old junky stuff and drive junk and why? And finally die and leave all that money to somebody else that just blows it. Why? They had money, but they were never wealthy on the inside. Their soul never prospered. You don't even know how to enjoy money. You can't even enjoy a new car. You can't even enjoy a good house if you don't know God. You can't. You can't. I mean, you know, I've met people that are the rich of the rich. I mean, the elite wealthy. Some of the most miserable people you want to be around. Why? Because poor people sometimes can live under the illusion that if I had some stuff, I'd be happier. (laughs) Well, if I could get out of this place and get something, then I'd be happy. But these people know that ain't so. They got everything, and they're miserable. 
They could buy anything. And they're miserable. Why? Stuff can't satisfy your soul. Stuff can't make you full of joy or full of peace. Only the Creator can do that. Oh, but when you got Him and you're walking with Him, you can enjoy a new car like nobody else can. Why? Because the Lord's with you. Amen? You'll say, Lord, whoo, this seat is nice. He goes, yeah, ain't it nice? You go, yeah. Glory to God. Climate control. Look at that, Lord. He said, yeah, I gave the guy that idea. Right? Nobody can enjoy a fine house like a Christian who's walking close with God. Walk up and down in your fine house in your silk pajamas. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Look out your windows at your nice view. Glorifying God. Amen. That's living. That's not just existing. That's living. And you can't do it. You can't enjoy anything like it could be enjoyed unless you're with God. Unless you're walking with Him. And that's soul prosperity. Well, so many times people have grown up generation after generation of poverty. And they think because, you know, well, I'm still poor and I'm staying poor. Uh, they think it's because we don't have money or don't know the right people, don't have connections. But that's not it. It's passed down from generation to generation, poor thinking, talking poor, making plans to be poor. And that's what's got to be broken. And there's only one thing that will break it. And it's not people praying for you. Did you hear me? People can lay hands on you, like Brother Hagin used to say, till they rub every hair off the top of your head. <laughs> but if you don't get the word in you yes. and get your mind renewed so that you begin to talk like a rich person yeah. instead of talk like a broke person. Yeah. Huh? This, well, we poor, but we proud. Well, that, both of those are conditions that require deliverance. <laughs> and the Lord will set you free. From pride and poverty, if you're willing to receive his word. Said out loud, God told me me it was his will will for me to prosper prosper and be in health health as my soul prospers. prospers. Amen. That's Bible. I said, that's Bible. I believe it just like that, don't you? So we have been camping on this. We believe it the direction of the Lord. And taking point after point, proving the will of God concerning prosperity, and we're getting our soul uh, prospered and our mind renewed. And even if you think, well, I've already had some mind renewal, you can take some more. I said, you can take some more. Don't ever think you've arrived. Huh? No. No, there's always a lot, you know, I like hanging around people that's got a bigger vision than I do. People whose numbers look bigger. Uh, excuse, who deal with bigger numbers, excuse me, than I do. It's good for you. Helps you. If you're always dealing with the biggest numbers of anybody that you're around, you get to thinking that's the top. You're there. But you ain't there. No. I'm telling you what. There's people out go out and buy islands. Did you know that? They just, they see a nice island in the Pacific and they go, I want that. How much is it? Well, billion? I'll take it. Yeah. 
Draw up the papers. Now, I'm not doing that yet. (laughs) But, hey, we ought to keep moving up, right? Let's keep moving up. You might not start there, but if you don't start where you are, you stay where you are. And if you don't keep feeding your faith and having bigger vision and higher vision, then you just stay in the same place. Well, we ask this question, and let's review a little bit. We asked the question, what is prosperity? And we answered the question with 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And he said, you know, God is able to make all grace abound toward us so that we always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. That's no lack. We always have more than enough all the time and plenty to give. That's prosperity. You can't put a dollar amount because it varies from person to person with what you've got going on and what you're called to do. But how many understand if you always have more than enough for everything you are supposed to do and everything you desire to do, and then you've got plenty to give, you're a prosperous person. Amen. Right? Amen. And so then we talked about this. What kind of God do we serve? What kind of God is he? Well, how do we answer the question? Well, we're answering it a number of ways, but one way is we go back to the beginning and we go back to the patriarchs. How many believe, what is it, Malachi 3.6? He said, I am the Lord God, I change not. Hebrews 13.8, is that what it says? You know, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday and today and forever, never changes. So ever how God was in the Old Testament, he's still that way. Ever how he was with the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like we've been talking about, he hasn't changed. People change. People forget God. People try to create God in their own image. And they try to create him in the image of their denomination. But how many understand God is not a charismatic God? He's not a Baptist God. He's not a Catholic God. He's God. Right? He is the way he's always been. He's God. And we constantly have to be renewing our mind with the word so that we don't get this distorted, twisted vision of who he is and who we've made him to be. But no, who is he? Well, he's some dozen times in the Bible, he referred to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So we talked about this. We said, what if we could get Father Abraham to come down here to Faith Life Church tonight. And we could give him the microphone. And we'd say, uh, Father Abraham, uh, there's a lot of Christians today that don't believe it's God's will for us all to prosper. What do you say about that? Do you believe that? Tell us how you knew God when you walked the earth. Was he a God who wanted you to be poor or wanted you to be a rich Man, was he God, a God who uh, took away or diminished you or led you into decrease or a God who increased you? What kind of God did you know? Well, we camped on that. And we saw that Abraham knew a God who blessed him, gave him the blessing. Abraham knew a God who made him very rich. Very rich. What else did we find out? He knew a God. Who protected him and who, you know, led him in the right way. We knew a God who was faithful to him and his family, right? But we said, this thing is not all 
a Godward thing, but there's also a manward side. What kind of man was Abraham that God could bless him the way he did? Now let's just stop right here. Let's remember this. We've got to keep coming back to this. So many times people just teach the Godward side. And then they wonder, well, this didn't happen. Why didn't it happen? Well, there's a manward side to all these things. It's not just all up to God. We know being born again is not just all up to God, is it? Don't you have to believe? Don't you have to receive the Lord? So it's not just all up to God. He's done his part. And if you'll do his part, he'll certainly do what he said he would do. But what kind of man was Abraham that God could bless him like he did? Number one, obedient man. He left where God told him to leave. He went to where God told him to go. He stayed where God told him to stay. What other kind of man was he? He was unselfish. He was a man who preferred his brother. Right? Even when it looked like it cost him. What other kind of man was he? Tithing man. Right? And what other kind of man was he? Hospitable man. Uh, being hospitable is a key to prospering. I mean, many places in the Bible it talks about this. And Faith Life Church excels in this area, don't we? Don't we? Well, people show up here and we're liable to buy their supper, right? Send them to a show, right? Feed them real good and pay off their car. That's the kind of stuff, right? I mean, the last two weekends we've had testimonies of uh, somebody who received a car from people in the church. Is that right? Glory. This is just a regular thing with us. That's a little weak, guys. Let me go over this again real slow. <laughs> Faith Life Church family. We excel in hospitality. Is that right? You know, there's a commandment in the scripture that we are to love the stranger. Another word for strangers, visitor. Right? Somebody shows up, we go, glory to God. Somebody for us to bless. And of course, we all have peel-off rolls. How many knows what a peel-off roll is? Ah, good, good. How many do not know? You don't know what a peel-off roll is. Well, I better tell you then. A peel-off roll is a roll of cash. Roll of cash. Preferably hundreds or thousands. Right? And you got all your bills paid. Everything's done. And you can just carry this around in your purse or in your coat pocket or pants pocket. And at any occasion... You don't, the Lord didn't even have to tell you twice. It just come up real slight and you, you whip it out and you peel off one or two or three. You peel them off. Is that peel them off the road and go here. Hey, you know, buy you some new clothes. Uh, pay off your car. Right? Have a good time. Be blessed. Right? We're not dreaming now. This is reality for us. Good. So Abraham knew a God who made him rich, who blessed him. And we talked about now the God of Isaac. Remember any of that? What kind of God did Isaac know? He knew a God who made his daddy rich. Very, very rich. And his daddy left him everything. And he started off life 
with a ton of money and a pretty wife. That's a good start. Right? And he knew a God who led him about where to stay and where to go. And so he, like his daddy, Abraham, he went where God told him to go. He stayed where God told him to stay. He sowed and planted his seed where God told him to plant. And he reaped in one year 100 fold. He knew a God who blessed him a hundred fold. He knew a God who blessed him so much that the Philistines, the heathen, envied him. And the king came and asked him to leave because he was showing him up. Because, of course, the king wants the nicest cars. He wants the fanciest stuff. And Isaac was showing him up. And Jeremiah talks about the testimony that this can be, that God bless us to the point where people fear God looking at us. Because of the blessing on our life. That's the kind of God Isaac knew. Now the God of Jacob. What kind of God did Jacob know? Go to Genesis. We'll catch you up. Genesis 28. Y'all believe in God with me tonight, right? Now, don't look too much to me out of this hindrance. Look to the Lord. Right? If you look too much to me to entertain you or to do something wonderful for you, well, that'll hinder me. But if you look to the Lord, then he could give something good to you through me or just directly. Right? That's how it works. We believe in God, right? Answers, direction, help. Remember, we prayed about it. We talked about it. Genesis 28. Jacob, as has been the case with other people, he heard about God all the time and knew. See, these people lived to be 150, 175 years old and things like that. Well, see, that means they all knew each other. Right? And so he knew his... uh, Grandpa, Abraham, he firsthand heard all the stories, but Jacob, and apparently his mama had something to do with this. We talked about that last uh, week. He turned out to be a real tricker. I mean, shifty. And because of tricking his dad, you remember, to get the blessing, at least he knew what was valuable. But he sure went about it the wrong way. And he had to run away from home. He had to leave home, I should say, not run away, but leave home because his brother is laying to kill him. And we talked about last week about how he got out and he got nothing but his knapsack and he's out there and probably thinking, man, you know, will I ever make it back home? What's going to become of me? And the God of Abraham and Isaac revealed himself to him as he lay there on the ground sleeping that night. And he said, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to keep you. In other words, everything's going to be all right. I've got a covenant with your daddy, with your granddaddy. You're going to make it, boy. Right? Because right? I'm with you. I'm paraphrasing, but read it. You know what we're talking about. And so he gets up from there encouraged. And notice what he did. He made a commitment. He said, Lord, 
You do what you told me you're going to do. You bring me back and get me back to my people and give me food to eat and clothes on my back. And I will surely tithe everything that you give me. So he's a tither too. Everybody say tither. He said, I'll give the tenth to you. The tenth. And so he shows up, you know, at the water hole. And he sees one of the prettiest girls he's ever laid his eyes on. And you know the story about how he helped water the sheep and they ran back and told Laban that, you know, kinfolks were in town and he had him and they had a big, you know, reunion and all, got caught up on all the stuff that's going on. And then he said, hey, you know, uh, stay here with me and you don't just stay here. Let me pay you. You work for me and I'll pay you. And so they worked out a deal. And he said, well, what I would really like is to marry Rachel. And he said, well, you work for me for seven years. So he said, I'll do that. So he worked seven years. And come marriage night, Laban did the old switcheroo. <laughs> and he woke up with the wrong woman. Boy, that was some night, wasn't it? That was some party. Wow. And... uh well, now, let's get it right here, though. You sow deception and trickery. What do you have in your future? He sowed trickery and treachery, and now he's reaping it, isn't he? Boy, it doesn't pay, does it? Boy, it pays to treat people right. Hmm? Even if you could take advantage of somebody. Even if you just want to do it to secure your future. Even if you weren't doing it out of love. If you understand how this works, don't hurt people. Because you take advantage of people and somebody's going to take advantage of you. You're sowing bad. It might not happen next week or next month or even next year. But oh, it's bad seed. Bad seed. Trickers get tricked. Liars get lied to. Thieves get stolen from. Right? Why? Because they're sowing uh, thievery. They're sowing stealing. Well, what are you going to reap? Stealing. You sow lying, you're going to reap lying. You sow unfaithfulness. You're going to reap unfaithfulness. Wise people sow loyalty. Faithfulness. They sow honesty. Integrity. They're nice to people when they, you know, from the natural legal standpoint, wouldn't have to be. They go the extra mile. They treat people like they'd like to be treated. Then what happens? Other people treat them right. And it happens again and again. Well, anyway, he said, well... Work another seven years and you get Rachel too. So he did. And we're told, in fact, turn on over to the 31st chapter. 31st chapter, verse 6. Jacob said, 31.6, he said, You know that with all my power I have served your father, talking about Laban. And your father has deceived me. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? He's deceiver. Your father's deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. Laban took him, we might say today. Burn him, we might say. How many times? Well, why did he just get out of there? You know, somebody burned you. Somebody take you to the cleaners once and then twice and they burn you again. 
And they burn you again. And they burn you again. What do you do? <laughs> huh? A lot of folk, it only takes them like once. Right? I mean, you burned me one time and hey. I mean, people quote it like it's a scripture. I mean, you know, you burned me one time, shame on you. You burned me twice, shame on me. That's not a scripture. <laughs> That's not what you're supposed to live by. Hmm? You know what that is, is pride. See, so many times people, their big deal is, I can't believe I let them get that by on me. I'm smarter than that. People can't get me. I'm smart. <laughs> except by the grace of God, people can get you every day, brother. I mean, you, except by the grace of God, mercy of God. If you're trusting in your smarts to protect you, you are bound for failure repeatedly. Trust in the Lord. Tell him all the time, Lord, I know I don't know enough to get this deal done. And I know I don't know enough to... Protect myself from all the sneaky stuff that can be done. But my eyes are on you. I'm trusting you. Protect me. Take care of me. Help me. I've been in deals before where I ain't understood the last thing they said for 15 minutes. (laughs) All the legalese and all. But you sit there and try to act. Yeah, you know, like you. Yeah, I'm awake and I'm here. But you just have to trust the Lord and you really always have to. Because in this day of, uh, you know, it's not people's word, it's not a handshake, it's what kind of lawyer can you get, you know, if you can get out of it or not. But friend, did Jacob do the right thing by staying? The answer is yes. What if somebody takes advantage of you? What if they burn you? What if, I mean, you know, basically they steal from you, they cheated you. Is that a good enough reason to leave? The answer is no. Now just think about it. If somebody burns you and you jump out because they burnt you, what is leading you at this point? Hmm? Loss of money, fear, being offended, being hurt. None of that is the Holy Ghost. At this point, you're no longer being led by the Holy Spirit. You're being led by something else. If the Lord puts you in a place, if he sends you there, I recommend you stay there until and unless he leads you somewhere else. No matter how you are treated. Hmm? Right? No matter how. Now, that's easier said than done. I know that. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) But it is a fact. I'm going to have to give you some more scripture on that. I see right away. (laughs) Hold your place. (laughs) Go to Ecclesiastes. Now, you may think I've digressed. But I'm still talking about why some people prosper and some people don't. I think you can see, we've already seen this repeatedly, that a big key to prosperity is being where you're supposed to be. We've seen that. God let Abraham leave here and go here. Isaac, stay here and sow here. 
Right? We just keep seeing that same kind of thing. Well, see, the enemy knows that. So if he knows that your prosperity is tied to the place where God has called you to and the joinings and connections that God has brought you to, certainly he's going to try to separate you from that and sever you from that by getting you offended, getting you mad through your flesh, you know, getting you rubbed the wrong way so that you jump out of the will of God and therefore disconnect from the place where you can be fully blessed. If you're no longer in the perfect place where God told you to be, where are you now? You're not in the perfect will of God anymore. Well, then you can't have the perfect blessing. If you want to have the perfect will of God in blessings, you must do the perfect will of God. Be in the perfect will of God to get the perfect will of God blessings. Now, uh, Ecclesiastes, did you find the book? If you can find Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. I was talking and not turning. I believe it's the 10th chapter. Chapter 10 and verse 4. Ecclesiastes 10, 4. If the spirit of the ruler, now the word spirit here in other translations may bring out anger, anger, or temper, or wrath of the ruler, rise up against you, what did he say? What? Huh? Leave not your place. For yielding pacifies great offenses. In order to have the full blessing of God on your life, you got to pass tests. It's a fact. You got to pass tests. You got to be able to receive correction. You got to be able to receive instruction, even a rebuke. And even if people don't do it right. Did you hear me? People, ministers, Bosses, supervisors, the biggest problem they have is they're like you. People. They miss it. Then, you know, like you, don't have to. Like you, shouldn't. But people do. Mess up, get mad, say things they ought not say. Be too harsh, hard. But that does not excuse Jumping out of your place where God sent you. And I tell you, it's going to be sad. This is a very sober, serious thing right here. It's going to be sad when so many people stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to want to know, why didn't you stay where I put you? Why didn't you do what I told you to do? And they're going to say, well, you know how that so-and-so treated me. He's not even going to hear it. Well, they didn't treat me. They were mean to me. He's not even going to hear it. Because he never sends you to do something or put you in a place where his grace is not sufficient for you. He already had everything there to support you and sustain you and strengthen you. But so many times when it gets hot in the kitchen, people get out the kitchen and get out of the will of God. And they miss it. And that's one reason you got so many babies around. 
People who've been born again 40 years, 50 years, but they're still a spiritual baby. Why? They've never developed. They've never grown up. Why? They didn't stay where God put them. And you cannot develop out of the will of God. Part of what it takes to develop is putting your flesh under and not getting your way and not getting your say. Boy, having fun now. <laughs> go, go to First Peter. Let me show you some scripture what I'm talking about. First Peter. Stay hooked with me now. These things are so important. Lord, thank you for helping us get this out. First Peter. And the uh, second chapter. First Peter 2, are you here? The scripture says, verse 13. First Peter 2, 13. What's the first two words? Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. For the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or to governors as those that are sent by him. That's people. You hear so many people say, well, now I submit to God, but not man. Well, how do you reconcile that verse right there? How do you figure that one out? A big part of your submitting to God is submitting to the people that he's placed you with and under. Right? And what folks don't realize, in refusing to submit to the people he hooked you up with, you're not submitting to him. You're refusing to submit to him. I mean, it's real convenient for people to say, well, I only submit to God when they're the only ones who knows what God's telling them. That's real handy and convenient, isn't it? Well, keep reading. Verse 18, servants. You could also read employees. Be subject to your masters or employers with all fear and reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the froward. You know what froward means? I looked it up. It means surly, overbearing, unjust, basically mean, right? Mean. Surely the Lord wouldn't tell you to submit to a mean person. Yeah, he just did. If it means staying where he put you. Did you hear me? Now, if they're beating you, silly, you do not have to live with them. Did you hear me? But see, people throw these words around too, uh, too loosely. You know, somebody's, you know, they're knocking you down and they, they're... You know, slapping you around and bruising you and fracturing your rib. No, you do not have to stay with them and live with them. No. I said no. 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 But a lot of what people call abuse is not abuse. You hear this word a lot, verbal abuse. And there is such a thing as verbal abuse. People using their words really trying to demean somebody and devalue somebody and just hatefully trying to hurt them. And that's certainly a bad, bad thing. But there's also a lot of stuff that people call verbal abuse that is not verbal abuse at all. It's just them not being able to receive any kind of correction. 
Are you with me now? I'm still on this same subject. This is why people jump out of their place and it's why they're not blessed like they're supposed to be. They get out of the will of God. No. Sometimes it's not always couched in soft tones and it's, I don't know of any scripture that says it has to be preceded with a compliment. That's some psychologist idea. Did you hear me? I've told this before. It'll bear repetition. In studying about some of these things, the Lord said this to me one time. I wasn't thinking this way. And here came up this in my spirit. I don't mean I heard a voice, but the Lord said to me, he said, if I had ministered in your day, there would have been some who would have accused me of verbal abuse. I thought, really? And I began to think. And I thought about, he said some pretty strong stuff sometimes, (laughs) didn't he? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. You brood of snakes? How are you going to miss hell? People say, ooh, that's too mean. (laughs) Are you sure it's too mean? Remember who said it? Peter. Walking on the water. That whole incident. You remember that? He said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. He said, come on. He stepped out of the boat, actually walking on the water, and began to look at the wind and waves, and got upset and got scared and started sinking, and cried out, Lord, save me. And he did. And Jesus got in the boat. What did he say? Peter, where's your faith? Why'd you doubt? If that had been a lot of people, they'd have been at the therapist the next day. <laughs> have been saying, I've had it. I've had it. I can't, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> this abuse. Amen. He's just abusive to us. I mean, I've been there for him. <laughs> every day, every night, we go get the food. We set up the meetings. We're the first to get there and the last to leave. We're always there, always there. And I gave up everything for him. Left my business, walked away. How many people's done that? And I'm the only one who said, let me come out there. Oh, I didn't hear nobody else talking. It was just me, brother. And Doc, I stepped out on the water, brother. I was walking on the water with the master. You know anybody else who's ever done that? (laughs) Nobody. I tell you how many. Nobody. Me, Jesus. Nobody else. (laughs) I got to looking at the waves a little bit. Man, that that water was spraying right in my eyes, and I felt like I was slipping. And you know, I I I might have panicked a little bit, you know. But then we get in the boat. Does he say, "Good job, Peter"? No. Does he say, "Me and you, Peter, are only folks ever walk on the water"? No. He said, "Where's your faith?" <laughs> I can't take it anymore. 
I've had it. I'm out of here. <laughs> You're just abusing me. Do you see? Do you see what I'm talking about? <laughs> you gotta be able to take instruction. If you can't take instruction and correction from people, you can't take it from the Lord. Because so many times it's how it's going to come. It's through people. See, what people don't realize, they got their eyes on men. And they don't realize it's being disrespectful to the Lord. Too casual. Too flippant. And now all they can see is men and they don't see. These are holy things we're dealing with. They deserve our best. Amen. Our focus. Right? Our best preparation. Our best effort. Our heart. We don't slouch around because it's church time. Well, needless to say, that didn't happen again. <laughs> he said, y'all come get ready. Well, next time he looked around, we were up there with a mic in our hand. <laughs> as it should be. I said, as it should be. Why? Not fear of man. You can't operate and yield to the Spirit if you're afraid. Tense, you're going to mess up. But just respectful and focused. How many are saying you shouldn't be daydreaming in the service? Not any of us. You should be ready. The Lord actually led me this way. With Brother Hagin teaching and preaching in healing school, I was there every day. And I was on the front row. Every day. Every day. And the Lord began to deal with me. See where, not just listen to Brother Hagin. See what the Lord is saying. See which way the Spirit is taking the crowd. See what is the direction. And be prepared. Well, I began to try to think that way. A year passed, another year passed, and five years passed, ten years passed. And the Lord began to, he dealt with me that early on. What if he stopped and said, hook up here and finish? Would you know what to do? Would you know which way he's going? Maybe you couldn't do it as polished as he does after 60 years of experience, but at least would you know which direction the Holy Ghost is going? Well, you know, it wasn't that long until he started doing that. I wasn't believing for that. But he started doing that. Well, we got to be, we ought to be ready, shouldn't we? The last several years I traveled with him, he'd stop in mid-sentence and say, Keith, come up here and finish that up. You're thinking, okay. How many understand now is not the time to be sitting there thinking about fried chicken? Or paying your bills, or somebody that miffed you, or if you're there, you're not even on the same channel with what's going on in the service. You might say, well, I'm not a minister. I'm not expecting you to call on me. Well, it's not out of the question. It could happen. But that's not the main thing. The main thing is the devil is the master of distraction. And the Holy Ghost can be getting to the point where it's going to absolutely deal with your situation and solve your problem. And somebody scratch their head or make a noise or a baby cry or drop something. And you turn around and are distracted just long enough for it to be finished being said. And then you turn around and you've missed it. One thing I've learned growing up spiritually, you must develop powers of concentration. Focus. 
So that, boy, you put your heart and your mind on it and you don't let anything pull you off of it and you stay there till you finish, till you get what you're supposed to get. Focus. Everybody say focus. Focus. Laban burnt Jacob ten times and yet he stayed. Was it right for him to stay? While you're in 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter, turn to the fourth chapter. Let me read this, then we'll go back to Genesis and begin to finish this up. 1 Peter 4 is a prayer that uh, I've prayed for myself a number of times. When I first found out about this prayer, I didn't want to pray all of it. I didn't want to skip a part. But if we really claim to be word people, we got to pray the whole thing. And 1 Peter 4 says this. Well, let me back up to verse 5. Are you there? 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger, do what? Thank you. Submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And let's just stop right here. So many times that's pulled out of context. But in the context of this, what is the devil devouring connected with? Pride. Did you see this? What was he talking about? Submit yourselves. Be subject. Be clothed with humility. God resist the proud. Humble yourselves. Don't worry. Cast your care on him. And be on the watch. Why? The enemy seeking whom he may devour. So doing those previous things he talked about would help you not be susceptible to being devoured. Verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who's called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you've suffered a while. Now that's the part I'd want to leave out. Because you can pray this for yourself. The God of all grace, who's called me to his glory, eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that I've suffered a while, make me perfect, establish, strengthen, settle me. To you be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. How many want to be perfected and matured and developed? How many want to be established, strengthened, settled? When does it come? After you've suffered a while. Now people who don't know the scriptures and don't know God very well have taken this and twisted around and tried to say it means suffering with cancer and suffering not having food to eat. No, no. Read the epistle. Start in the first chapter and keep reading right on through and you'll see he's talking about submission in here. Let me show you exactly the kind of suffering that he's talking about. Just go back a couple of pages. Chapter 1 and verse 11 talks about the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. What, what kind of sufferings did he suffer? As you keep on reading, he talks about submission. We read that in the second chapter. Submit yourself. Submit yourself. Now keep going. This flows right on into Second Peter. 
But uh, for time's sake, I'm not going to read all this. Go to Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5, verse 7. This is talking about Jesus. Hebrews 5, 7. In the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. This is the kind of suffering he's talking about. What kind of suffering was it? What was the prayer on this occasion? Doesn't this sound like him praying in the garden? What was the prayer? Let this cup pass from me. But what? If it's your will, not my will, but your will be done. That's the kind of suffering that he's talking about when he says, after you've suffered a while, the Lord make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. What kind of suffering is it? It's suffering having to submit your will. Not getting your way. If you don't do any of this, you will not grow up. You'll not be perfected. You'll not be established. You'll not be strengthened. You'll not be settled. Brother Hagen, I was just talking about Kenneth Hagen, who's in heaven now, has a book called Must Christians Suffer? If you hadn't read it, it's real good. Must Christians Suffer? And in it, he talks about that. And he makes this statement. He had made it in my presence before he, people talk and he says it like this. Would you like to know why I'm settled today? And I tell you, I worked closely with a man for year after year. And none of this up one day, down the next, temper fits, depression, never, never, 20 years that I was around him, never, never. If you ever heard him teach and preach? You could listen to a tape from 1953 and listen to one from 1993 and think they came from the same thing. He said, would you like to know why I'm established and settled? And he was and is. He said, it's because I've suffered. But then he'd go on to explain. What do you mean? He said, not suffered sickness and disease. God healed him when he's a teenager or he'd have died. Not suffered poverty. God brought him out of poverty, made him blessed and rich. What? And he'd begin to tell examples about some of the churches that he pastored. He said in the beginning, nearly every church that I pastored was a divided church. He said on some of the ones I took, the first Sunday I took them, half the crowd sat on this side and glared at the other half sitting on the other side. And they had fought and fussed and carried on until there was just tension and strife. And he said the deacons were used to running the thing. And, and he said sometimes he'd pray and, and build himself up and study and, and be loaded, you know, for bear, so to speak, and go out to preach. And he said it's just like somebody poured a bucket of cold water on you. He said it's, you try to preach it out, it's like a rubber ball. Go out and hit the back wall and just bounce back and hit you in the face. And, and he said it's hard, tough. Folk act like they didn't want to be there, act like they didn't want him to be there. And he'd go back and tell Miss Aretha, they're laying in the bed to go to sleep that Sunday night, just fatigued from the day. And he said, you know, if I didn't know, God told me to be here. First thing, oh, I'd go right now and get a U-Haul trailer and just back it up to the parsonage and load this thing up and we'd be gone now. And in the morning, they'd come by and find the house empty and go, what happened to Brother Hagin? 
How many understand a lot of people didn't just feel that way? They did it. So they never were established. They never were settled. They never were perfected. But he didn't do it. He stuck it out. Stayed where he was sent. Can you say it out loud? Stay Stay. where you sent. Stay where you sent. You won't prosper. You won't develop. You won't grow up if you don't. I've seen it. I've seen it. People I went to school with at Ramah. People I started out with. I mean gifted. Ability to speak. Special anointings in their life. But for the last several years. I mean the last decade or two. No ministry at all. Barely surviving. Why? Well they wouldn't stay where they were put. They had to have it their way. They wanted to run everything. Couldn't take instruction. Couldn't stay hooked. Not realizing, even though you got a call on your life, that doesn't mean you're ready to step into it. you got to be trained. you got to develop. And what Jesus say, if you haven't been faithful with that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? And I didn't intend to teach on this tonight. This is in none of my notes. But I believe, just like we prayed in the beginning. Right? And it really all ties in together. I mean, Jacob was burnt. Wasn't he? Not once. This is costing him money. Do you understand? Every time a deal goes this way, he and he gets burnt. He realizes. He comes up on the short end. I mean, he's worked and worked and worked and worked. Let's go back and read a little bit about his work. Genesis. To remind you that this boy wasn't just sitting at the desk with his feet crossed now. (laughs) Let me remind you what he was doing. Genesis. Can you take a few more minutes? Good. Genesis 31. 38. This is at the end of his service with uh, good old Uncle Laban. Beware the fine print. <laughs> How many say you got to be pretty shifty to burn the same guy ten times in a row, man? You got to be sneaky. And Jacob said this in verse thirty-eight, Genesis thirty-one thirty-eight. He says, "This twenty years." Everybody say twenty years. Twenty years. Say it again. 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 Say it again. How many years? Not months. Not days. How many? Twenty years. I've seen people run up to somebody like uh, Brother Copeland or Brother Hagen. I've had people come to me the same way. And they've been in three services with them. And they want you to lay hands on them so that all your anointing will come on them. Say, what's wrong with that? That ain't how it works. How about 20 years? Everybody say 20 years. years. That's not 20 minutes. It's not 20 days. And can you see the wisdom of God? 20 years filters. Right? 20 years separates people who are playing from people who are serious. People who are just trying looking out for something for themselves, 
the people who are really committed to God. Right? Say it again, 20 years. 20 years. I've been with you. Your ewes and your she-goats have not cast their young. They didn't miscarry. The lambs of your flock I didn't eat. He wasn't eating off of Laban. He was carrying himself. That which was torn of beast, I didn't bring it to you. I bear the loss of it. I covered it. Of my hand did you require it. You made me pay it. Whether it was stolen by day or stolen by night, I covered it. Thus I was in the day, the drought consumed me. They're out there in the desert, you know. And the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. How long? 20 years. Thus have I been 20 years in your house. I served 14 years for your two daughters. I imagine he's thinking, and I ain't forgot that old switcheroo <laughs> on my wedding night. And six years for your cows. And you changed my wages ten times. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had been with me. You'd have sent me away empty. But he didn't go out empty. I said he didn't go out empty. He went out rich. He had herds when he left there. He had flocks when he left there. Don't you remember? He had employees. He had his own stuff. And when he went over there, he had a stick in a bag. Remember that? Oh, friend, get this now. Get this. Even if people burn you, it ain't over. Even if they burn you more than once. Even if they take advantage of you. Lie. Steal. Why was it that somebody who was so much sharper than Laban was a deceiver himself? But I mean, he met the master tricker. Old Uncle Laban. And I mean, in spite of Laban burning him one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, he still left rich. Why? Because the blessing was on him. I said the blessing was on him. The anointing to increase was on him. Remember, it came to Abraham. God Almighty, El Shaddai. Jehovah Jireh said to him, I will bless you. Ooh, glory to God. That's not empty words. When he says, I will bless you, then everything he touched. I mean, you couldn't keep him down. Couldn't hold him back. Even people burning him and ripping him off time after time, he still come out rich. And God turned it around. Because he stayed at the place. Just because you're experiencing some difficulties doesn't mean you're not where you're supposed to be. Just because some people have treated you badly doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. Oh, friends, are you listening? Not just to Keith now. Are you listening to the Holy Ghost? So many people are such babies and they don't know God well enough. They're led by external things. Something go wrong. They go, oh, well, this must not be God because this is happening. And so they just jump and they run. Jesus told the disciples one time, they didn't want to go. He said, get in the boat and go across the lake. They didn't want to go. He said, I said, go. So they went and got in the biggest storm they had ever been in in their life. Thought they're all going to die. Obeying the Lord. Doing exactly what he told them to do. Exactly where he told them to be. The biggest storm they'd ever seen in their life. 
Storms do not indicate you're not in the will of God. People mistreating you is not a revelation that you're not in the will of God. Don't be led by hurts, by offenses, by deals gone wrong. Did you hear me? Don't say, I'm staying where God puts me. Nothing will move me out. No demon. No calamity. No person. No hate. No bad experience. Nothing will move me out of my place. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Stand up on your feet, why don't you? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.